evolution of mastery. For three million years, we were hunter-gatherers, and it was through the evolutionary pressures of that way of life that a brain so adaptable and creative eventually emerged. Today, we stand with the brains of hunter-gatherers in our heads. This is a quote by Richard Leakey. It is hard for us to imagine now but our earliest human ancestors who ventured out onto the grasslands of East Africa some 6 million years ago were remarkably weak and vulnerable creatures. They stood less than 5 feet tall. They walked upright and could run on their two legs, but nowhere near as fast as the swift predators on four legs that pursued them. They were skinny. Their arms could not provide much defense. They had no claws or fangs or poison to be taught to eat if under attack. To gather fruits, nuts and insects, or to scavenge dead meat, they had to move out into the open savanna where they became easy prey to leopards or packs of hyenas. So weak and small in number, they might have easily become extinct. And yet within the space of a few million years, remarkably short on the time scale of evolution, these rather physically unimpressive ancestors of ours transformed themselves into the most formidable hunters on the planet. What could possibly account for such a miraculous turnaround? Some have speculated that it was a standing on two legs which freed up the hands to make tools with their opposable thumbs and precision grip. But such physical explanations miss the point. Our dominance, our mastery, does not stem from our hands but from our brains, from our fashioning the mind into the most powerful instrument known in nature. Far more power. Far more powerful than any claw. At the root of this mental transformation are two simple biological traits, the visual and the social, that primitive humans leverage into power. Our earliest ancestors were descended from primates who thrived for millions of years in a treetop environment and who in the process had evolved one of the most remarkable visual systems in nature. To move quickly and efficiently in such a world, they developed extremely sophisticated eyes and muscle coordination. Their eyes slowly evolved into a, fully, into a full frontal position on the face, giving them binocular stereoscopic vision. This system provides the brain a highly accurate three-dimensional and detailed perspective, but it is rather narrow. Animals that possess such vision as opposed to eyes on the side or half side are generally efficient predators like owls or cats. They use this powerful sight to home in on prey in the distance. Tree living primates evolve the vision for a different purpose, which is to navigate branches and to spot fruits, berries and insects with greater effectiveness. They also evolved elaborate color vision. When our earliest human ancestors left the trees and moved to the open grasslands of the savanna, they adopted an upright stance, possessing already this powerful visual system. They could see far into the distance, like giraffes and elephants. This allowed them to spot danger far away on the horizon 
and detects their movements even in twilight. Given a few seconds or minutes, they could plot a safe retreat. At the same time, if they focused on what was nearest at hand, they could identify all kinds of important details in their environment, which includes footprints and signs of passing predators, or the colors and shapes of rocks that they could pick up and perhaps use as tools. In the treetops, this powerful vision was built for speed, seeing and reacting quickly. On the open grassland, it was the opposite. Safety and finding food relied upon slow, patient observation of the environment, on the ability to pick out details and focus on what they might mean. Our ancestors' survival depended on the intensity of their attention. The longer and harder they looked, the more they could distinguish between an opportunity and a danger. If they simply scanned the horizon quickly, they could see a lot more, but this would overload the mind with information. Too many details for such sharp vision. The human visual system is not built for scanning as a cow's is, but for depth of focus. Animals are locked in perpetual present. They can learn from recent events, but they are easily distracted by what is in front of their eyes. Slowly. Over a great period of time, our ancestors overcame this basic animal weakness by looking long enough at any object and refusing to be distracted even for a few seconds. They could momentarily detach themselves from their immediate surroundings. In this way, they could notice patterns, make generalizations and think ahead. They had the mental distance to think and reflect even on the smallest scale. These early humans evolved the ability to detach and think as their primary advantage in the struggle to avoid predators and find food. It connected them to reality other animals could not assess. Thinking on this level was the single greatest turning point in all of evolution. The emergence of the conscious reasoning mind. The second biological advantage is subtler but equally powerful in its implications. All primates are essentially social creatures, but because of their intense vulnerability in open areas, our earliest ancestors had a much greater need for group cohesion. They depended on the group for vigilant observation of predators and the gathering of food. In general, these early homing minds had many more social interactions than other primates. Over the course of hundreds of years, or hundreds of thousands of years, this social intelligence became increasingly sophisticated, allowing these ancestors to cooperate with one another on a high level. And as with our understanding of the natural environment, this intelligence depended on deep attention and focus. Misreading the social signs in a tight knot, tight knit group could prove highly dangerous. Through the elaboration of these two traits, the visual and the social, our primitive ancestors were able to invent and develop complex skill of hunting some two to three million years ago. Slowly, they become more creative, refining this complex skill into an art. They became seasonal hunters and spread throughout the Eurasian landmass, managing to adapt themselves to all kinds of climates. In the process of this rapid evolution, their brains grew to virtually modern human size some 200,000 years ago. In the 1990s, a group of Italian neuroscientists discovered something 
that could help explain the increasing hunting prowess of our primitive ancestors and in turn something about mastery as it exists today. In studying the brains of monkeys, they found that particular motor command neurons will not only fire when they execute a very specific action, such as pulling a lever to get a peanut or taking hold of a banana, but that these neurons will also fire when monkeys observe another performing the same actions. These were soon dubbed mirror neurons. These neuronal firing meant that these primates would experience a similar sensation in both doing and observing the same deed, allowing them to put themselves in the place of another and perceive its movements as if they were doing them. It would account for the ability of many primates to imitate others and for the pronounced abilities of chimpanzees to anticipate and plans and actions of a rival. Such neurons, it is speculated, evolved because of the social nature of primate life. Recent experiments have demonstrated the existence of such neuronic in humans. But on much higher level of sophistication, a monkey or primate can see an action from the point of view of the performer and imagine the intentions, but we can take this further. Without any visual cues or any action on the part of others, we can place ourselves inside their minds and imagine what they might be thinking. For our ancestors, the elaboration of neural neurons would allow them to read each other's desires from the subtlest of signs and thus elevate their social skills. It would also serve as a critical component in toolmaking. One could learn to fashion a tool by imitating the actions of an expert. But perhaps, most important of all, it would give them the ability to think inside everything around them. After years of studying particular animals, they could identify with and think like them, anticipating behavioral patterns and heightening their ability to track and kill prey. This thinking inside could be applied to the inorganic as well. In fashioning a stone tool, expert toolmakers would feel as one with their instruments. The stone or wood they cut with became an extension of their hand. They could feel it as if it were their own, their own flesh, permitting much greater control of the tools themselves, both in making and using them. The power of the mind could be unleashed only after years of experience, having mastered a particular skill tracing, tracking prey, fashioning tool, it was now automatic. And so, while practicing the skill, the mind no longer had to focus on the specific actions involved, but instead could concentrate on something higher. What the prey might be thinking, how the tool could be left as part of the hand, this thinking inside would be a proverbial, proverbial version of thought-level intelligence, the primitive equivalent of Leonardo da Vinci intuitive feel for anatomy and landscape or Michael Faraday's for electromagnetism. Mastery at this level meant our ancestors could make decisions rapidly and effectively, having gained a complete understanding of the environment and their prey. If this power had not evolved, the minds of our ancestors would have become easily overwhelmed by the mass of information they had to process for a successful hunt. They had developed this intuitive power hundreds of thousands of years before the invention of language. And that is why when we experience this intelligence, it seems like something proverbial. 
a power that transcends our ability to put it into words. Understand, this long stretch of time played a critical element role in our mental development. It fundamentally altered our relationship to time. For animals, time is their great enemy. If they are potential prey, wandering too long in a space can spell instant death. If they are predators, waiting too long will only mean the escape of their prey. Time for them also represents physical decay. To a remarkable extent, our hunting ancestors reversed this process. The longer they spent observing something, the deeper their understanding and connection to reality. With experience, their hunting skills would progress. With continued practice, their ability to make effective tools would improve. The body could decay, but the mind would continue to learn and adapt. Using time for such effect is the essential ingredient of mastery. In fact, we can say that this revolutionary relationship to time fundamentally altered the human mind itself and gave it a particular quality of grain. When we take our time and focus in depth, when we trust that going through a process of, for months or years will bring us mastery, we walk with the grain of this marvelous instrument that developed over so many million years. We infallibly move to higher and higher levels of intelligence. We see more deeply and realistically. We practice and make things with skill. We learn to think for ourselves. We become capable of handling complex situations without being overwhelmed. In following this path, we become homo magister, man or woman the master. To the extent that we believe we can skip steps, avoid the process magically, gain power through political connections or easy formulas, or depend on our natural talents, we move against this brain and reverse our natural powers. We become slaves to time. As it passes, we grow weaker, less capable, trapped in some dead-end career. We become captive to the opinions and fears of others. Rather than the mind connecting us to reality, we become disconnected and locked in a narrow chamber of thought. The human that depended on focused attention for his survival now becomes a distracted scanning animal, unable to think in depth, yet unable to depend on its instincts. It is the height of stupidity to believe that in the course of your short life, your few decades of consciousness, you can somehow rewire the configurations of your brain through technology and wishful thinking. Overcoming the effect of 6 million years of development to go against the grain might bring temporary distraction, but time will mercilessly expose your weakness and impatience. The great salvation for all of us is that we have inherited an instrument that is remarkably plastic. Our hunter-gatherer ancestors, over the course of time, managed to craft the brain into its present shape by creating a culture that could learn, change, and adapt to circumstances. That wasn't the prisoner to the incredible slow march of natural evolution. As modern individuals, our brains have the same power, the same plasticity. At any moment, we can choose to shift our relationship to time and walk with the grain, knowing of its existence and power. With the element of time working for us, we can reverse the bad habits and passively and move up the ladder of intelligence. Think of this shift as a return to your radical deep past as a human, connecting to and maintaining a magnificent continuity. 
with your hunter-gathered ancestors in a modern form, the environment we operate in may be different, but the brain is essentially the same, and its power to learn, adapt, master, time is universal.